Greetings, my friends. Welcome to the next episode of the Mint Mom Podcast. Jason here, joined by my buddy Alex across the world over in Germany. And we're going to jump into a few topics today, everything from what's happening with our project and the ordinals to what's happening with uh, Bitcoin, and then talk a little bit about uh, some of the artists that we've got lined up. So, Alex, how's it going, brother? It's uh, evening for you. So how was your day? Yeah, man, exactly. It's it's evening for me. Uh, the day crypto-wise has been a little bit boring until now. So um, I, I just saw Bitcoin and every other cryptocurrency pumping pretty much, actually. I haven't expected it for today. I'm not even sure if we had any major news, uh, like from the United States. Was there something today? Like, uh, I haven't really Fed, seen did, did anything. Announce anything? I haven't seen anything major yet, but um, I was running a little bit late this morning. I had a bit of a, a client emails fiasco I had to deal with, so I haven't had a chance to dive deep into the news. But um, I think the biggest thing is just MicroStrategy picking up, uh, what is like 3,000 more Bitcoin, I think it was. Uh, they bought, let me just see here, what did they buy? I uh, Yeah, they bought 3,000 uh, more Bitcoin for $155.4 million in cash. And according to this article, they did that over the last 10 days. So over the last 10 days, they were steadily going in. And I'm guessing, I, I could be wrong about this, but last night, obviously, we uh, saw a drop in Bitcoin fees on the transaction. Uh, I'm sorry, on mempool. We saw the sats per V-byte come, come way down. And it had been about two weeks that it had been sort of steadily dropping. But it could be that they finalized all their transactions and I actually saw the sats per V-byte fee drop into the single digits for the first time in probably, what, two months maybe. So obviously took advantage to uh, uh, mint up a couple of ordinals and then a couple of our people did as well. So that was kind of cool to see. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, MicroStrategy and Michael Saylor has like he has been when when did he start investing in Bitcoin? I think he was very, very early. Well, not very early, but I think it was like 2020 or I'm, I'm I'm not too too sure on that, but they are like the profit they've made, and you know throughout the bear market he always had to like defend his position and why he does all that, why he keeps investing in Bitcoin, and yeah, you know it's it's good to see that they are actually profiting from it now and and uh, can show people um, that you can like believe into something like that and and still succeed in the end. Yeah, he's uh, he's been an amazing proponent of Bitcoin. And obviously, he's done a lot for the crypto space in general, I think, through Bitcoin. But with using his company basically as a proxy for owning Bitcoin before the ETFs became a thing, you know, if you really wanted Bitcoin exposure and you weren't really interested in, you know, creating a wallet and having all these hoops to jump through, if you were a traditional investor, you could just buy MicroStrategy because he literally sent a letter to his shareholders saying, hey, you know what, we're going to keep doing technology, but we're going to start moving our cash position into Bitcoin because we see the U.S. dollar plummeting, you know, along with all the other global uh, currencies around the world. So I think it's been an amazing strategy and it's been very cool to watch him defend his position from an engineering perspective, not just a belief. You know, we hear a lot about belief, but in his world, it's just an engineering problem that he's solving and he sees Bitcoin as the best form of, of money or a value, a storage of value in the world. You know, the, the, the best solution that we've come up to for this problem in ages. And uh, if you've ever heard him on podcasts talk about this, he really lays it out in a very eloquent, eloquent way. So to have someone like him at his level, you know, really 
kind of flying in the face of some of the negativity that we see in government, it's been a, a, a huge boost, I think, to Bitcoin. Yeah, indeed. Um, re regarding that, I've actually read an article today about um, a big financial magazine in, in Germany actually talked about a guy who who's a trader, obviously, and he is they actually claim that he has been right about the like about 95 percent of the times when he when he uh, predicts where the market goes. And um, I'll just drop some numbers and you tell me if you think that this is possible or not. So he says that Bitcoin will be between 52 and 65K in 30 days from now. Um, will then go within the next two months from 52, will range between 50K and 69K, will then drop down in three months back to 40. And until like October, September, October, far above 100K. Mm. What, what are your thoughts about that? The first part of that prediction is already true. I think Bitcoin's trading at 53.5 right now. I'm looking at the chart. <clears throat> and I think what he's saying falls in line with the normal halving cycle because what happens is it sort of it 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 sort of rises steadily up until the halving and then it sort of peaks around the halving and then there's a, a a a small pullback while people take profits and the price reconsolidates. And then it's, you know, it's months after that where it starts to like really start peaking again. So I think his prediction is right, in, right along the lines of what we expect to see with the halving. So I don't really have any issues with that. And I think it's completely possible, if not conservative, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, but it's actually quite interesting that, like, like you mentioned, like it's actually the, the, the usual uh, halving cycle and um, we will have a little drop after, after the halving. Um, but still, we will see people in around like maybe April who are going to be like, like, like who are going to panic when, when they see Bitcoin dropping again, you know, who, who think like, oh, we already saw the top at, at 65 or whatever it will be uh, until the halving. And, and then going to panic, you know, and th that's crazy because I, I feel like it's the, the information is out there. Why don't you read, you know? Yeah, it's funny. I can, you know, it's uh, what is that Carl Jung quote? It says thinking is difficult. So people judge, you know, I mean, it's kind of the same thing. Like thinking is difficult. So people avoid it. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, if you look at the information, you can look at history and say, OK, well, it's likely that history will repeat, but there's no guarantees. So I might as well lock in my gains now. Um, but if you're a long-term holder, you don't care anyway because you see the trajectory of currencies around the world, right? Like the U.S. dollar is is failing. You know, all the global currencies, the major global currencies around the world are really failing and losing value. So, I mean, re really, as an investor, what's your option? You're not going to hold cash because cash just depreciates. The stock market might be a protection. Real estate could potentially be a protection. But if you need something liquid... You know, something you can move around quickly in an instant with low fees. I mean, Bitcoin or, you know, your favorite cryptocurrency would really be your, your best option, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, you said it, like, especially the Western currencies from, from, from the Western world are failing currently. Uh, I don't know if it was a rumor or if Russia and China actually agreed on not using the U.S. dollar anymore. Um but yeah, we'll see. It's def it definitely feels like some countries are like on, the, on some kind of down 
down the way down right now mm-hmm. um and others are doing better i mean i, I mentioned it last week um when i talked about germany and their their like behavior towards crypto and then you see countries like i don't know nigeria for example who who where like so many people actually own crypto india as well you know countries that we consider consider third world countries are like so far ahead in terms of crypto so yeah let's let's see where we go yeah it's interesting that you brought that up because i think a lot of people don't realize especially in the first world you know the quote-unquote first world nations we just take it for granted that everyone has access to a bank account you know so i was like well you know i've had a bank account since i was i don't know 12 years old or whatever you know, and, and in the rest of the world, like in the developing world, that's not a reality. You know, people don't have bank accounts, but a lot of people are starting to get cell phones and a lot of people are, are getting smartphones no matter where they are in the world. And then there's satellite Internet access and then there's solar panels to pa- power that satellite Internet access. And so you see people out in the middle of nowhere who can have access to currencies and basically become their own bank without actually having to go into town, you know, or sacrifice their traditional way of living to have access to some form of, of record keeping and wealth preservation. So it's interesting because, you know, um, we are so spoiled, we forget the rest, how the rest of the world lives and how most people live in that debanked part of the world and how much something like uh, cryptocurrency or Bitcoin can be of service to them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and you see that actually all around social media as well. I mean, how many NFT um, community members are from, from these countries? And um, yeah, let, let, let's see where we go from there. But an interesting uh, thing I saw today is to, to, to get to the world of NFTs right now. Um, I, I would like to hear your opinion on that. I, I, I found an um, Austrian guy who actually owns a barrel of whiskey. And that barrel is actually 10 years old. And he kind of uses that to make NFTs out of that. And he sells 321 pieces of it. And each piece corresponds to about 0.7 liters of the barrel. So he's definitely like, like, checking the the value over the time and and the nfts are going to adjust to that so so do you think that's a good utility for you for an nft i i'm i'm maybe I'm, i want to just make sure i'm understanding so he has uh, a, a barrel of whiskey that he's aging and he's selling fractional yeah. ownership in the form of nfts yep. is that what's happening yeah yeah, for sure. I think exactly. It's a, yeah, I think it's great because you know, at the end of the day, if you have that fractional piece of ownership, but you don't yet have the product, you can always. I think the beautiful thing that that the NFT market does is it opens up a way for you to control your share of ownership without having to, you know, quote unquote, know the right people. So if if I'm, you know, a guy who's big into like my fancy whiskey, and I have a fractional ownership in this barrel of whiskey that's aging. And let's say I decide before it reaches maturity and delivery that I want to get rid of it. Well, I can go into the marketplace and I can sell that much easier than I could if I had to, you know, do that on my own in the real world. And I'm living in the middle of nowhere and I'm not really attached to a network of people. So I think it opens a lot of doors for investors or for holders to have more flexibility and freedom with the with the assets that they own. So, yeah, I think it's a, a perfectly uh, fantastic use of it. But that would actually mean that 
you, because you know you can do that with every item almost like you can you can take it and say like hey i'm going to sell if it's valuable of course you can i'm i'm selling fractions of it of it and 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 this like share it with people so um the question is if the nft actually has value then you know because it's it's all about belief into something that doesn't really exist like just on the screen but that's actually what nfts are so so basically that could work out for for a lot of items in the world yeah i think this is just you know the beginnings of tokenization like we talk a lot about how early we are in the nft market right but there there are companies who are literally uh, basing their future on the fact that they believe everything is going to be tokenized that the internet of things and tokenization is going to be the future and I don't see a way around that because it just simplifies so many different things. And so if I'm, you know, selling a fractional share of a thing or I'm selling shares in a thing and I have some sort of contractual obligation with the buyer, that's just as good as any other, you know, real world, quote unquote, obligation. And probably a little bit better because, like I said, now we have the secondary market where I can either liquidate or acquire more shares or whatever I want to do, I can speculate on that particular uh, fractional ownership piece. You know, we've seen this in fractional ownership of high-end art, for example. You know, you, you may not be able to afford a whole piece of a million-dollar painting, you know, but you can have a fractional stake in it. And this is something that tokenization enables that was never possible, or really not possible from an, uh, a standpoint of being easy to do before. So, yeah, I mean, I think this is just... Um, maybe a glimpse of things to come and obviously there'll be lots of roadblocks and hurdles but um if the person is setting their business up right and you you're you know contractually obligated to fulfill and the person who's buyer who is the buyer has recourse if you don't you know fulfill your obligations you know i see it as just being a easier way of executing a contract if that makes sense yeah, I mean, last time we spoke, you had these beautiful examples with, um, with um, like like memberships. I think you mm -hmm. had like uh, the example of of a bar owner owner who can actually like um, like give out NFTs to people and to show them they're actually members of. Was it a bar? I don't know what what the exact example was. Yeah, or a band. I don't know. A speakeasy. This is kind of yeah. like an underground bar, you know, sort of a thing. Yeah, I, I just I, I just think there needs to be like the access to the NFT needs to be more like, you know, getting into the bar and always have to show your your phantom wallet is like not the way to go. In my opinion, there needs to be something different to to do that. But um, yeah, in the end, we will have pro projects and, and products who are going to solve that problem. And um I think we will definitely see the tokenization get into into our world. Yeah, I mean, there's a thousand different ways you can bind, you know, a digital asset to a real world asset and then also to a real world person, right? Like if I, if the example that we're talking about is a speakeasy, which is sort of a, you know, kind of a kitschy way of saying a membership club, a bar, you know, that you have to be a member of to get in, almost like a golf club or something like that. And in the States, they've kind of had a resurgence. It's a bit of a, you know, nostalgic thing back to the prohibition here when they outlawed alcohol, there were these speakeasies and the only way you could get in was you had to know somebody. And then when you showed up at the club, you had to know the password and you had to know all these things to get in the door. Otherwise it was just assumed you were in a cop and you couldn't get in. Right. 
So here in the States, they've started, you know, redoing this speakeasy thing where you go into, like we have one in town and the storefront is a barbershop, like it's a working barbershop. But if you want access to the club, when you walk in, there's a hidden door and you have to have a pass or an electronic uh, key to open this hidden door behind the shelf. And then that takes you into the bar, right? And it's supposed to be a members only thing. So the idea was, okay, well, instead of, you know, having uh, a password or just like a digital access key, really all you need is an NFT. And that NFT will give you the access or grant you the access. But just like any physical object, you know, if I have a, a physical key, I could give that to a friend. If I have a phantom wallet, you know, I could give that to a friend as well. So, you know, it changes the rules somewhat depending on how strict you want to be with your membership. Um, but maybe you just have an understanding where, you know, anyone who holds this must have gotten it from someone who wanted them to have access. Therefore, they should be, you know, OK to be here. I mean, you, you can work it out a bunch of different ways, but um, having something tied to a person that's physically that, that sort of physically identifies them as a member is really what we're trying to get to. And, you know, unless you're going to card people in that situation, then, you know, you, you can use an NFT sitting in a wallet or you can use an NFT sitting in a specific app, but whatever, whatever way you choose to execute that, it's going to grant you that access. And so I think, um, like with, with Astrals, for example, on Solana, they had, you know, um, Shaq, Shaquille O'Neal was an initially uh, part of the project and then there was a lawsuit involved and he got scared and sort of pulled back. But if you held one of the Astral's NFTs, then you could walk into any Shaquille O'Neal show, right? Because he does DJing stuff now. And you didn't have to pay. You're just part of the club. You could get in and, you know, if I wanted to go with you, I could send you one of my NFTs and there was no questions asked, right? So that's kind of you know, where that idea came from. And then just using the technology streamlines everything to the extent to where it, it makes it really simple for the people who are running the show or running the club. It's, it's actually quite interesting because you mentioned Astrils and I was like right now checking where they are today, actually. And yeah, nowhere is the answer. <laughs> um, but talking about NFTs, um, some people may know, but you and I, we got a little project as well called The Goodfellas, and um, yesterday you checked the um, the Bitcoin rates, the fees, and noticed that they were pretty low and opened up the, the boss mint for our boss holders mm -hmm. because we got many people asking about the bosses and many people wanted another piece. And as of today, we got only five pieces left. And um, when I say that, I almost get a little melancholic because, you know, it's... This is where it all started, you know, <laughs> the, the, the boss ordinals. And yeah. now we are almost sold out. And um, yeah, people need to realize that once they're gone, there's probably there won't be another chance to get one. So um, we, we have to choose wisely who gets the last pieces, right? Definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, and some of those mints were uh, obviously house mints like me and you minting because we wanted to take advantage of the low fees before, you know, Bitcoin skyrockets. So we'll have some available, uh, you know, for people that we can, you know, that we still want to uh, cherry pick and bring in. And, you know, if fees drop down the way that they did into single digits, which I hadn't seen in months, I might just mint out the rest of them. 
Uh, and then of course we can sell those, uh, to bosses as they come in. Uh, but you know, we'll make a list available to all of our holders of which pieces are available and we can create a, like a secondary mint where they can, where we can do a lottery, like they can mint a lottery number and whichever number they get, they get that ordinal. So we can do it a bunch of different ways so we can still have fun with it. But um, before Bitcoin heads to the moon <laughs> and fees follow uh, Bitcoin to the moon, I wanted to, you know, get a few a few more of those minted out so that we weren't beholden to, you know, the gods of price control on that one. Because, you know, I, if Bitcoin hits, you know, I pro- my, my prognostication is that Bitcoin's probably going to hit six figures before the end of the year. I mean, that would more than quadruple the original cost of the ordinals that we put out. So, you know, taking advantage of these little pullbacks is, uh, I think, super smart, and it gives us some flexibility. Do, do we still have the, the hidden trade in the deck, or is it minted already? Yeah, it's still in there, man. It's, uh, <laughs> it's probably going to be the last one, which is kind of funny. That's I was going to yeah, make a little announcement about that. But yeah, I think it's... it's because actually, I, I like the idea of, of us minting pieces and be able, being able to provide um, these pieces to people like with lower fees or without fees. Yeah. Um, but in the end, you know, like the, the thrill of, of getting a rare one or, or a lady or something is kind of gone if we do it that way, you know? Yeah, it is, you know, it, it is and it isn't, you know, there's kind of two ways to look at it, you know, especially if we, you know, put up a, a listing of available pieces and then we could do a secondary mint where someone just mints a number and then whatever number they mm-hmm. mint, they get that particular one. Obviously they would know that it would be, one from the bank, but still, you know, you don't know what you're going to get, right? <laughs> which is kind of the fun part of it. But uh, yeah, no, I agree with you. And then who knows? I mean, we've got um, the ladies, we've got a couple other collections. I mean, it might be kind of cool to have some ordinals associated with the ladies, you know, some lady bosses. So who knows? I mean, we've, we've got a lot of options and things that we can create. So uh, we'll just have to, you know, see if maybe perhaps there's the potential for another type of ordinal in there somewhere. Yeah, that's great. I mean, people sometimes forget that we actually have another whole collection in the back and we are like not even close to have minted out the, the original collections. So um, do we actually have any kind of date for another batch? Like we, we haven't talked about that yet publicly, right? Yeah, we haven't. I think we need to get going on that. Uh, probably... It would it'd be nice to get another batch out um, in March. And, um, you know, we've got the, we've been focused so heavily on acquisitions and doing some work behind the scenes. Um, you know, with my time being limited, you know, doing the coding, quite a bit of the artwork, and then you've been doing some of the social media stuff and then dealing with artists and all this kind of thing. There hasn't been a lot of time. But, um, you know, the, when we do the batch mints, of course, they require a little bit of extra effort because each one's, got a one of one in it and that's going to require some special artwork and then of course we have to you know set up all the metadata for the proper ranks because every time we drop a hundred it has to be the hundred it has to be a family exactly so um but yeah i mean there's no reason why we can't get back on that mint train now that um you know shitcoin season is over and you know we're starting to uh, get back at it so i'm thinking probably we get going on that this next month and then start rewarding the bosses with some more 10 cent mints yeah perfect um you just mentioned uh, artists uh, when, when you spoke and yeah we actually got a pretty cool mint coming up on wednesday um you've seen the piece i i think it's a very special special piece that is that is about to be dropped so um do you think 
people will like it as much as the first one? Um, I think, yes. I think the way that we've got these ordered is they get a little bit better week to week in terms of visual interest and in terms of detail. That's just my personal opinion. Um, I think this piece is every bit as good, if not better, than the first piece. And then the subsequent pieces continue to improve. There's little things I like about each one of them. So I think um, as we go through and, and, and these you know, are brought to life, people are going to be very happy with what they get. And that's really the ultimate goal is to keep putting out the quality work. So I'm super stoked for that. Yeah, and I've, I've just seen uh, on the Discord, maybe we can like just drop some words on that. Someone was actually asking from, from uh, Maria's people, like if she has to submit a wallet somewhere or how, how does it work? Yeah, for sure. So we definitely want to make these wallet mints. These have to be wallet mints because we need to honor the artist, right? So in a standard 21s mint, you know, the bosses come first. Uh, in the artist incubator mint, the bosses and the, the carefully selected people that the artist wants to allow to mint come first. So they both get priority. And that's only fair because the artist obviously has a following that needs to be exposed to the opportunity. Now, of course, that doesn't mean everybody is going to mint, but they need to have the opportunity. So the bosses and then the hand-picked wallets from the artist are going to be able to mint, and it is a wallet mint. So if you've got, um, you know, like boss coins, for example, you know, you can spread your boss coins across a couple wallets if you want to have multiple wallets. But just um, just know that it's a, a wallet-based mint, not a boss coin-based mint. So for all the bosses out there holding the coins, you know, spread them around if you want multiple wallets. Um, but just realize that it when you when you go to the um, the Metaplex page that we normally use to mint on, it won't ask you to verify the coins. It's just going to say, hey, is your wallet on the list? If so, you can mint. And that's really the only way to do it when we've got people coming in from two different communities. Now, eventually, we'll be able to leverage uh, Matrika, and we can assign some roles, and we can do mints based on roles. Uh, but we haven't gotten that far along yet. So Yeah, definitely pay attention to making sure that if you do want a piece that your wallet is submitted so that we can put you on the list and you won't be uh, locked out of that particular mint. Yeah, I, I think Maria is actually collecting wallets for, for her community and handing them over. So we just need to emph emphasize again, I, I think I've wrote it on, on Discord already, but like, please, if you want a piece, like be quick, be there on time and, and um, be ready. Um, you just said like people can actually, um, like spread their boss coins on different wallets, but I, I think that the demand is so high that it would be fair for, for everyone to mint only one, uh, or, or what do you think about that? Yeah. I mean, if we, if the demand continues to stay what it is, then yeah, we can definitely do that. You know, the flip side of that is it's good to see people trading pieces around, which I think a lot of yeah, people true, are. Man are using, you know, I mean, I think the attitude amongst the bosses is really uh, kind of cool because, you know, I think um, everybody wants a certain number or they want a certain part of their collection. So, you know, people are might be minting too just so that they can have one to trade for something else. And I think that's perfectly valid. So, um, you know, I mean, 
at the end of the day, just be prepared to negotiate, right? Like be, be prepared to talk to people and build some relationships and, you know, learn how to be a good steward of the pieces in the community and start, you know, making friends. Because at the end of the day, as this collection grows, like the other 21's collection grows, like uh, there's only going to be a certain number of pieces. So think of it as, I'm thinking of it as like a, a primary collection, like a think of it as a collection with, you know, maybe 10,000 pieces, for example, like you wouldn't own all 10,000 pieces, you would have a bunch of different pieces from the collection. So think of this as being a 10,000 piece collection as one example, of course, it can grow, grow much larger than that. But think of it as a 10,000 piece collection where you're not going to necessarily be able to own every single piece. But you can own the ones that you feel, you know, are are the best pieces from your favorite artists and that sort of thing. So it's not about owning all of it. It's just about owning the ones that you that you are that you have that affinity towards. And then, you know, obviously participating in the game, because at the end of the day, that's the fun part, getting to know the people, getting the pieces that you want, trading back and forth. And it kind of harkens back to those younger days, you know, when we have cards and stuff like that, you know, like all the trading cards, all the going back and forth, just kind of fun stuff, really. Yeah, um, totally agree that the trading is a valid reason to 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 mint uh, maybe two or three. But I mean, in the end, we have never seen anyone like minting a bunch of pieces and then dropping and dropping them on Magic Eden to right. to list for two Solana. Oh, I actually just got. I'm not sure if you got Telegram open, but uh, Maria asked a question, which is probably interesting for for all the people, um, where she can't find the collection on Magic Eden. So. Mm. Um, yeah, that's because, that's because? <laughs> yeah, so uh, <laughs> that's because I haven't listed it there yet. Uh, so I'll be doing that probably later today. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's just the one piece, uh, but I'll, it'll definitely be on Magic Eden later today. They usually approve really quickly. And um, this past week, just FYI, for those of you guys who are following along, like it was a, a crazy work week in terms of, you know, getting code together, getting artwork together. Um, again, we have to touch every piece when we do it this way to create the quality that you guys demand. So um, at the end, and that we demand of ourselves, really, to be honest. And so, you know, not a lot of sleep happened last week. So, you know, some things <laughs> had to be put off to when I could get some sleep. But, yeah, I'll get that out um, this afternoon, obviously, and not obviously, but I'll get it out this afternoon so you guys can uh, see it and everything else will grow from that one spot. <laughs> 